Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And this week we've got a reader question about setting up your tech ecosystem for your authority business. Hmm. I like this topic. And I'm, I'm hoping somebody hears tech and they don't go, eh, stop. <laughs> I, I promise this is not going to be a technical session. I think this is going to be interesting. Yeah. And so there's going to be a lot of thoughts about, about strategically what pieces do you need and not need. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, for example, I don't think SEO is worth a damn for these kinds of businesses. So if that doesn't tease you <laughs> into listening, yeah, we're not gonna be talking about WordPress all day. Uh, apologies to my SEO friends. I, just, I think it's great for certain things. I don't think it's really that important for businesses like mine anyway. Uh, okay, so we can, we'll can we leave that as a tease if we get to it, we get to it. Uh, but so here's the question, I'll read the question. And uh, it's from a long email, I'm just gonna get to the meat of it. It says, my question is, what is the best way to set up a supporting technical ecosystem, including website, email, podcast, billing, etc., for the first time. And he uh, led into that by mentioning that he had gone through the, my checkout workflow and so forth. And in other words, he's been through mine. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out, he's like, well, you've got a website, you've got Google Forms, you've got Moonclerk, you've got Stripe, you've got Drip. Like, how do all these things talk to each other? How would you set them up? Uh, if you were not going to do the entire thing at once, where would you start? And all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question because I think most of us do it piecemeal. Mm-hmm. We start with one thing and then that works for a while and then we need a different functionality. So we start to look around and and I don't know, your audience might do some build it yourself. My audience is not going to do the build it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to buy it. I'm against the idea. So, you know, in case you didn't know, I'm a web developer by trade. I love coding. Uh, it's super fun. Uh, but still, I I constantly get myself or talk myself off the ledge to not build this stuff myself. Every time I'm like mildly disgruntled with Drip or pod, some podcast hosting company, I'm like, I'm just going to build it myself. And, rah, rah, and I like, you know, and I and I just like, just don't start. And then 24 hours later, I'm like, what was I thinking? That would have been crazy. So, so I mean, maybe if we were going to start anywhere, it would be for the technical folks in the audience to not build your own thing. All of these problems are thoroughly and completely solved, and I promise you, they are way more complicated than they seem. So if you're thinking, oh, I could build that in a weekend, you are wrong. <laughs> I know I, I couldn't build it in a weekend. That right. would not happen. Yeah, something like something like a, a drip clone to build in a weekend. I've thought about it a hundred times, and, and uh, like I'm going to pay someone to just build me a single, you know, like a personal SaaS that's exactly what I want, and still... Every time I think about it seriously, the next day or, or something, I'm in drip and I'm like, oh, yeah, that, you know, I'll, I'll realize that there's a feature I'm using that would be horribly complex to build. I'm like, ah, you know, so yeah. step one, don't build it yourself. There are plenty of options out there for all of these things. I think maybe maybe the subset of that is we're not looking for perfection. Mm hmm any of this and nothing is ever going to be exactly perfect or if it if there's a moment of perfection it's a moment and you recognize it as you move out away from it and it's in your rear view mirror what we <laughs> want is something that's functional that's going to get you as much of what you need to be able to do with maybe some bells and whistles that are nice to have and and some ability to grow into it perhaps depending mm-hmm. on you know which piece we're talking about right yeah, and I'm going to start off with a, a contrarian viewpoint, which is that of the list of things from the reader question, I don't think websites the most important. I think email is the most important, and I would, I would, in a in a heartbeat, I would delete my website before I deleted my email list in a heartbeat. Yeah, there's yeah. no question. So you know, I know that doesn't it, you know if that that probably sounds weird. You probably already have a website, so it's no big deal. Like you don't have to not have a website. But what I'm trying to illustrate here is that email is the thing. That is the thing. If you don't have that, I don't know what you're doing. You need to have an email list. It's the thing that, you know, everybody I know who is basically surfing right through the pandemic without a major impact on their business all has a big email list. So how do you get a big email list? You start with a small email list and you grow it. And to me, all of these other things, podcasts, YouTube channels, websites, blogging, all of these things are farther up the funnel, to use the, the industry lingo, they're farther up the funnel. They're all anonymous. When people are on your website or watching your YouTube channel or listening to your podcast, they're anonymous. 
And that's, you know, it's a great way to get your authority and your expertise shared with the public in a way that's free and easy to consume, easy to share. Great. Do that. But they're none, they are certainly not more important than the, than what they're drawing people down to, which is to sign up for your email list. That is what they're for. That's your relationship building device. Um, and I, I would think probably you know 99% of the people listening to this podcast are virtual. So you know that that's where your next clients or buyers or readers are going to come from. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, the centerpiece of everything is an email list. Upstream from that, uh, you, the first thing I would have upstream from that is a website. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have a website, then that means that your email opt-in forms are going to be on some other domain like lead pages or you could link straight to, let's just say you use Drip. You can link straight to a, a sign-up form from Drip, but you don't have a lot of control over it. There's, you can't brand it at all. Uh, it's got a bizarre URL. It's hard to remember. But you could, you, know, you could be super active on like LinkedIn or social media or something and say, hey, I've got this great new five-day email course. You should check it out. And you could link straight to the, the Drip sign-up form. Mm-hmm. And then interact with people over email where you can have a one-on-one conversation with someone. That's why I like email so much better because you can have a conversation. You can't really have a conversation on your website. You definitely can't on a podcast or a YouTube channel. Um, certainly not. I mean, yeah, you can ask questions and you can answer questions and stuff. But email, all of a sudden you have like a not anonymous person that you're, work, you know, that you're interacting with, which I love. Well, an email isn't awkward. You know, when you think about like webinars and YouTube's where you're asking uh, YouTube videos where you're asking questions underneath, it's just it's different. Yeah, it's a little off-putting. Email is intimate. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Yep. Yeah, it's right there next to everybody's everybody's other emails from like their family and friends and clients and other people that they trust. And you know, there's your what I we, let's just <laughs> I'm going to talk about. I'm just going to like like praise email all day like email is everything do have an email list and if you want to get started and you don't know what to do that's step one how do you do it go to drip or convert kit or, or mailchimp that none of them are perfect uh they're all fine you know you can you can nitpick over this feature or that or like a few bucks here or there but at the end of the day it's it's the most important piece is so uh, you know i wouldn't don't worry about the money is what I'm trying to say. Like I, it's people, yeah. people well, freak worry out about, about the, Worry about the functionality. Like I, I think about why I chose ConvertKit over Drip because I was going to use Drip originally. And I, again, I'm not a programmer. I'm not a developer. Drip was just too challenging for me to use. Mm-hmm. I just, and, and I felt like I was always going to have to have somebody, I was going to have to hire somebody to figure out the big stuff. And or watch a million videos that I didn't understand the first time. So I, I went with ConvertKit because it was simpler. Mm-hmm. Now, a developer might say, oh, I like Drip because I can do more with it and I can understand it and I can play with it. So just, I mean, think about the functionality and how you're going to use it. And then the last piece is it's harder than you think to switch once you're in one. So not that you should take five months to pick one, but pick the one that you can grow into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, and you'll you'll see what happens over time with it. Right, like I said, the ones that we just mentioned are all fine. There's another one called MailerLite that a lot of people talk about, but my experience with that is that it's it's the cheap one and it doesn't allow room for growth as much. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong; I haven't used it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have things like Infusionsoft, which I think are a little bit better fit for like a big organization that has a full time person doing just email, and they've got like really yeah. complicated funnels and audience segmentation i think i think that's probably over yeah, it's more expensive i think that's probably it's, it's overkill. sexy it's very sexy it, but yeah it's expensive but more than the cost it's really complex you spend months building it hmm. to get it to where you need it for your business so yeah if you've got the volume it would be worth looking at mm-hmm. yeah so i think those three are the are the sweet spot for folks like our listeners um okay so then if we Probably the next thing I would say, and I'm sure Rochelle would agree, would be I have a website. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So probably, well, I'm technical, so I've got a million opinions about this. <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't re- necessarily recommend my approach, which is that I had, I previously had a hand-rolled static site generator 
so basically basically but wait 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 can you explain what's a hand roll i don't know i, I wrote my own so is. like oh, I did, okay. yeah so years ago before you know when i was just coding for fun i tried wordpress was not my cup of tea uh it felt like a straitjacket so I was like, I'm just trying to do a, trying to change a simple piece of whatever. And so I was like, forget it. So I, uh, I wrote my own website generator, which really is nothing to it. It's like, I write Markdown files. What Markdown is a sort of simple, uh, a very, very simple, like you could call it a markup language. It's just like a plain text, human friendly, simple way to write uh, a, a document with formatting. You can think of it like rich text. You can think of it like rich text, like oh, almost like I'm okay. writing a rich text document. Is this, does that make sense? Do you know what that is? It, yes, I do. Okay. So, <laughs> Amazing, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can just type a Word document and upload it to my server, and it, it uh, the server converts it to HTML. So there's no database. So like my website has no database. And uh, it just I just put pages on a web server. It's like super mm -hmm. simple. And it's gotten more complicated over the years where now I'll like – you know, I keep it in GitHub and I'll commit it and push it at master and it automatically deploys to a Netlify site, blah, 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 blah. It's just a static site generator. And there's a million of them that developers listening are going to know about. And, you know, I, if I was going to, if I didn't have that, I would just use one of the existing ones, probably Ghost, but, eh, but whatever. But most people listening to this probably are going to go with WordPress. Is that, I mean, that's what you use, right? Yeah, I do. And I, I use it for a few different reasons. Um, one is that, I mean, it's a content management system. So I, like on my site, I have three different places that are essentially uh, that operate like blogs. Mm -hmm. And I love how easy it is to use. And when I say easy, because I, I don't program it myself, I have a developer that does all that, but I can enter my own stuff. I can change copy when I need to. Um, I could swap out images in the site itself. I wouldn't, um, but I can certainly swap out images in individual posts. Um, so it's for me, it's super easy to use. And for a lot of people in the expert authority space, I just like it because you don't have to be a programmer to use it. Mm -hmm. Do have to hire somebody else to put it together for you. There's a gazillion themes that you can use. So there's lots of choices. I understand why it might drive a developer crazy because mm -hmm. as I understand it, it's sort of between you and the language. Correct. Yeah, but I, I, love, I, it for, can... I love it for that reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> one, one, down, one major downside of my approach is that when I was working with a VA, she couldn't update it. Like you needed to have command line access to the It was like super complicated and that, uh, that stunk. Uh, so that was a real limitation. And, and honestly, to me, that's, that's a really strong argument for WordPress or some kind of CMS, whatever it might be, because then it's much, much easier to find someone that can update things for you mm -hmm. and you don't have to be doing it all the time. And if that were the case, I wouldn't care if, if, it was if the interface was clunky and I know the interface has changed since the last time I looked at it like project Gutenberg and everything so I haven't even looked at it in a long time but but I wouldn't care if I wasn't using it and the site just was awesome and worked so mm -hmm. yeah you know for me using this probably if I was going to start over or if I was going to make a recommendation I would say probably you should use WordPress but you know if that if that makes you bristle then the second step is second level down is you know, there's a million of them, craft CMS and blah, blah, blah. But I'd either use WordPress or a static site generator at this point, because there are, there are lots of benefits to a static site generator if you're technical enough to handle it. Um, well, you also have to think about how you want to use the site. And so if you're going to blog, WordPress, hands down, is the best system to be able to blog, existing systems to be able to do that. It makes it easy for you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, you look at things like Squarespace and you can get a cool look, but the blogging functionality is really clunky. It's tacked on, yeah. Yeah. it's. I mean, I, I took a look at that because I thought at one point, I thought, I wonder if I should switch. It might be easier, might, you know, get something that's a little bit more modern looking than what was available with some of the WordPress templates. But it was so clunky. I just, mm. there's no way I would want to work with that every day. Right. Yeah. And another question I get since we're talking about it is you mentioned Squarespace. Some other people are like, well, I'm going to sell stuff. Maybe I should build my whole website on Shopify and don't. 
<laughs> unless you're selling a million products. Like Shopify is absolutely amazing for, you know, for e-commerce and it's optimized for e-commerce. It's an amazing, it's an amazing solution, but it's not a great fit probably for what you're doing unless you, you have like a full store with a whole bunch of products and maybe you do, but honestly I would do if, if, if that is something you're going to do, I would just have a, a store dot subdomain that you send to Shopify. And I wouldn't, it probably wouldn't even do that. You could handle it in WordPress much more easily. Um, but so before we get off of websites, there's one thing I want to point, point out and you just, you just sort of started to raise it, Rochelle, which was what's your website for? You know, if you're using, you said, if you're using it for a blog, then WordPress is an obvious choice. That's their, it's in their DNA. But the, the thing for me is like, what's the website for? And I, you know, I'm like, I am a web developer. I used to start web projects by like, you know, fantasizing about, okay, what's the, what's the nav going to look like? And what's the, you know, <laughs> what's going to be in the footer? And then I I'm like, okay, I'm going to have an about and a contact. Cause this is back before that was all standard and what's going to be on the homepage. And then I have this shell of a website and I'd be like staring at the big empty chunk in the middle of every page. It's like, hmm, what should I put there? It's like so backwards, you know, it's like, I, it's like I've, you know, it was like I made yeah. a, a a crate for something, but I didn't know what. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is the most beautiful crate ever. It's got all these compartments and all these things. It's like, what should I put in it? I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> creating a box for something that doesn't exist. So it's for me. so funny since I work from the middle out and then find somebody who tells me what cool box we can put it in. Yeah, that's we, that is yeah. the right way to do it. Uh, I had a, tech, a technician's approach to it. So, so. For me, and you're—I know we're not going to agree on this—but for me, the purpose of a website is to get someone on your email list. So when it's funny because I—I don't see my website as a website anymore. I see it as a collection of pages that are online, and each page has a different job, and it is has one job. So I'll have in there on different sides of the email funnel. So if the email is the core piece of my funnel. I'll have, I have pages on my website that are on that are before email and pages that are after email. If you go to my website, you'll see there's no navigation at the top because I don't want you navigating around my site. I want you to get on my email list. And then w once you're on uh, my email list, I'm going to link to other pages on my site that are fairly hidden. So it's almost like email is in the middle of my website. So I've got, I guess I never really thought about it like this consciously, but I kind of have two different sorts of pages on my site. There are pages that are that are designed to get you to subscribe to my email list so we can have a conversation. And then I have calls to action in my email that send you to sales pages on my website that are hopefully you'll decide that, oh, this would be a good value for me and you check out and buy something. But there's no place really, in, there's some spots, but it's really de-emphasized. De I don't expect you to land on my website and read a few pages and then buy something. It's just mm -hmm. not, that's not the, that's not the right. path because right. everything's going to seem too expensive because you, you barely know me. You don't know anything about me. You don't see any value yet. If you're not on the email list, all the prices are going to seem insane. So why would I put the prices right up front? It doesn't make sense. So for me, I don't see it as a site. I see it as a collection of pages. It's like a domain that I have on the, on the internet and the pages have different jobs. And you know, the main, the main two types of pages are opt-in pages and sales pages. You know, and there's like a press, I have some, some utility pages, like uh, if I'm going to go on a podcast, you can go here and find my bio and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't see the website as like a standalone thing, which I know is a dramatically different way of looking at it. If you're used to building websites, the website, you just think of the website as like the be all end all. It's just like a anonymous visitor lands here and they bounce around from page to page and ultimately do something that you want them to do, which is probably buy something. So your goal would be, if you, if you were to look at your analytics. You, I don't have analytics, I, but if I, I did. <laughs> I know, but I just want to clarify this. So yeah. your goal really is to get people to spend a little bit of time on the site, not a lot. So yeah. if your yeah, stats said your first time visitor stayed for five minutes, you'd go, what? I want them to stay for 30 seconds and sign up for my email list and go away and then come back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if somebody's if someone was in a typical website, you could have people spending five minutes on the site, and they're just sort of like bouncing around from article to article. I, I get, that's okay, I guess, but I'd rather have them in my. I'd rather have those articles be in email because I can put them in an order, 
and say, okay, here's the, here are the, like, if you join my email list, you probably signed up for value pricing bootcamp and you go through this kind of indoctrination of what value pricing is. And I talk about it in a way that someone who has never heard about it, doesn't really understand it. It's very one-on-one kind of way. And then once you go through that, then there's like a 12 day sequence that you go through to just orient you around the different planets in my content solar system. So you have a feel for how this crazy stuff that I'm going to be talking about, which is more 201, 301, 401 level stuff on my daily broadcast, it orients you so that it's not like bouncing off your head. Like, what is this guy talking about? So I've got these sort of foundational kind of greatest hits. Uh, you could call them articles, even though you're getting them as email. And then once they've been oriented, they go through the whole orientation thing, then they get tagged as someone who's ready for my daily list. And then they get the dailies, which, you know, if you, if I just threw them into that cold, it would be like jumping into the middle of a movie and being like, what's going on here? Like, this is weird. But once you've got this kind of grounding, uh, people are like, oh, okay, I get it. Like they're, they're onboarded. If I just put all of those articles on my website and you're reading them randomly, they it's highly likely that they'd read something and be like, this guy is, I don't even know what you're talking about, dude, because they didn't get the grounding in the basic stuff. So to me, it's like, I think email is like for something that's complicated to talk about, or is, I guess if you think about it, it's kind of like an, you know, I'm using educational terms like 101, 201, 301. It's kind of like that where you need to kind of be onboarded to the concepts before it even starts to turn the light bulb on. Well, I would call it a guided experience. Yeah, that's a good bit of it. Yeah, that email piece. And it, you know, it's it's interesting because I see what you're saying. And it's, um, I think maybe for the listener is you think about your area of expertise and do you need to guide them through a beginning stage so that you're on the same wavelength and the people who aren't are going to drop off. Mm-hmm. Right. They'll go away. But then it's you're, you're sort of leading them to the promised land, if you will. You, you come out to this point, And so everybody is is at the same point. I like the 101, 201, 301 analogy because we all know that from school. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I can see that, that that would make sense as an experience. Cool. So what else do you what else do you think about with websites? Because I think you have a more holistic approach view of the website and not the, like to me I see it as an atomic collection of pages where each one stands on its own but yeah, you're, you I, I know, don't like, think of it that way yeah <laughs> it's it that's why I liked your your um, reader's question about ecosystem I love that word when we think about this thing well it, let me tie into what you said first which is I always ask people what is it that you want your website to do and not everybody wants it for email collection but it's interesting i pretty much always push back and say well let's be clear and i'll use an example so i've worked with coaches in particular where you know my goal is i want to talk to them on the phone Mm -hmm. if i get them on the phone they're going to hire me yep and so in that case, the, you know, and, and we'll have a conversation about how likely that is to happen and whether having an email sequence might make it more likely that you're going to talk on the phone. So I don't know that it's always number one to get people on your email list, but it's pretty darn high up there. Yeah, that's totally fair. But some you want to get them to, to take an action where you can have a conversation, probably. That's probably the thing. So whether it's email or phone or um, I don't know what else. You want to hook them. Yeah. Well, you want yeah you want to be able to talk to an individual and not be broadcasting to a a giant anonymous audience. It's a it's a huge difference. Yeah. So so the website is both big and small. Mm -hmm. It's big in the sense that you want um, for media journalists. Uh, other bloggers who might you know invite you to participate in something with them you want them to see the authority in your site you want them to see that you know what you're talking about which is why you'll see the classic you know author consultant site right it's got consulting speaking podcast or book um, and or book and so you'll see all of those or maybe you know some kind of a shop 
um, of, of information products. So there's that piece of that external validation. I mean, I've worked with some clients where they're so busy locally in their specialty mm-hmm. that they're not really worried about using the website for that. But what they do want is they want to make sure that um, media is going to look at them a certain way or that their industry is going to look at them a certain way. So it's almost like a validation um, mm. process. So I think the most important thing is what do you want your website to do? And if it's to get uh, your email list or to get their email addresses, then you've got to design it around that. Yeah. And when I say design, I mean the copy that you use, the the, the way the site looks like how big the button is, you know, what color it is, does it pop? Um, and then designing the sequence behind that, which is what you're using Drip or ConvertKit for, to also have really effective copy. It's like what you're talking about, this this experience of the, of the initial set of emails. So it's all going to tie to one uh, whole, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's about uh, showing your authority to the world, um, sometimes it's about, uh, and I guess this is pr- probably a subset of, of showing your authority. It's about giving resources to people. Yes. And I'm just going to pick on financial advisors because you know we all know what they are and, and what they do. So a financial advisor might have a whole resource section that has things like a social security calculator, a retirement calculator, a Q and A, a bunch of Q and As about you know what happens when you know should you use a Four five zero three B is it? Um, you know, should you do this? What do you do with a four hundred one k? Should you should you have a Roth IRA or a pre tax IRA? So they'll have a lot of those kinds of things, and people can go in and just sort of pull them out, um, and they will do that without requiring an email address to read those things. So it's really, I just think of it as uh, the website is the strategic representation of you out in the world. So what do you want that to look like? And it should, uh, forget if it was the last episode or the one just before, it should really align with who you are. We've got a whole episode on this with stories, actions, and visuals. It needs to align with how you work, how you speak, how you operate, how you interact with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a great a great kind of catch-all way to put it. It's like first decide what the website is for and then optimize it to achieve that goal where, you know, back in the day when I was just like not even thinking about what was going to go on the website and I was just more interested in the container, the structure of it. Uh, cause I was like, Ooh, I'm like trying to learn rails or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, make sure that it, don't just say, Oh, I guess I need a website. Um, uh, I guess I'll use WordPress. Um, I guess I'll find someone that can build a WordPress site for me and then, okay, there it is like decide what you want it to do first. Like for me, it's all about getting someone on my email list. That's that if there's one thing, that's the main job. That is the primary job. Get someone on my email list. You know, I don't use the website to build authority in the least. The the authority comes from podcasting, videos, webinars, and the email. Like, I don't care what my web, I mean, obviously look at my website. It's just, (laughs) there's nothing there. It's just like, you got to read it and not everybody wants to read well, stuff. It's, so. it's there, but you have to tunnel to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for some, you know, there's some real advantages, and you know, and I'm going to defer to the expert developers in the audience, but there's some advantages to making people tunnel because we like what we work for. And, uh, you know, I think um, somebody who does a particularly good job of this is um, uh, Todd Trusseter with Financial Mentor. And he's got so much content and everything's linked to everything else. It literally, it's like you're going down this rabbit hole. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, if you're interested in that topic, it's a great rabbit hole. Yes. So there's there's a lot of different things you can do with this. It just has to align with what you want the site to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after I read a couple of those, boy, sign me up. Mm-hmm. Right. I want some more of that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and the same can be true about your area, whether it's super, super technical and you need to do a lot of preparation before you can get the shared language to talk about your area, like what you're doing, Jonathan, or whether it's less technical, um, maybe it's strategic, but it it's 
doesn't need as much explanation, right? Maybe yeah. you have a little bit of toing and froing, and then you work all of that out in your in your email sequence to all of your subscribers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, before we jump off a website, I think one thing that we we've mentioned on previous shows that it's worth pointing out here is you know I start off by saying you don't need a website, you just it, you know you need email before you need a website. But one of the things about not having a website is it's likely that what you'd end up doing is let's just say, let's just use me as an example. So like I care about email the most and let's say I am starting over and I'm just going to create, I sign up for drip. I set up a a seven day campaign and it gives me a form that, you know, on a drip URL that they can link to that I can mm-hmm. link to in social media. I can go on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and, you know, link in bio and be talking about this, you know, value pricing bootcamp. And here's why it's important. And these are the benefits to you. If you understand value pricing and here's how to escape the hourly trap and so on and so forth. And with an Instagram account and, uh, this, a link to this form to sign up, I could actually get started. Uh, so, okay, wow. I don't even have a website and I'm collecting emails and I'm interacting with people on my email list. But the problem, the big problem with that, and the reason why I, I would probably set up a, a website real quick as a second step to the email thing, is that you don't have control over the domain. So you don't really own the stuff. Yeah. So Instagram, you know, it probably seems crazy to think that it could disappear tomorrow, but it could, or you could get kicked off, or if it's mm-hmm. Facebook, you could get kicked off, or Twitter, or whatever the wherever the place is where you're you know, your top of funnel activity, YouTube, you know, your top of funnel activity that's attracting people to your email list or whatever your main call to action is. Maybe it's setting up a phone call or whatever. If you don't have control over the domain, you are, you're in trouble. You could be in big trouble. It's a big risk. Yeah. It's a big risk. Cause if you go to move some at some point in the future, there's no real good way to do it. You can't, you don't have control over, um, redirecting all of those links. I have a horror Etsy story where somebody uh, somehow, really with with no ill intent, violated a term of service. They shut down the store, yeah. and we're talking, you know, six figures of income. And you know, she hired someone to go and and beg her her case and mm-hmm. got back in, but she lost three months of revenue. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, you, you've you, got to own your, your own platform. Yeah. Ultimately. You want control over that. Yeah. And we have a whole episode on that, but I just wanted to point it out. Um, yeah. And maybe I'll do a quick thing on why I don't think SEO matters for me, which is that the terms that the terms that, so a lot of people will be like, well, if you didn't have a website or if you're not blogging regularly, then like, what about SEO? And I'm like, I don't care about SEO. Like SEO to me makes a lot of sense, a lot of sense for, you know, if you're a locksmith and you want and you want to be show up in local searches for like, I'm locked out of my car and like, you know, locksmith near me or whatever. Or if you sell a commodity product, like, you know, I don't know, an everyday carry pocket knife or something like that, that is basically an impulse buy for anybody. And it's a low ticket thing. To me, SEO is people, if, if people aren't searching for you already, in which case you don't need SEO, your name, your we're name, about right? Versus your or, company or your, you know, the ditching hourly guy, or something like, you know, something, some branded thing that you created, or some uh, IP that you have, like value pricing bootcamp. Like if you search for value pricing bootcamp, I'm guaranteed I'm going to come up. Ditching hourly guy, guaranteed I'm going to come up. I haven't done any SEO. It's just a weird term. Mm-hmm. So, it, but I don't want people on my website who are searching for hourly billing calculator or like these generic <laughs> things that people would search for. Like, I, you know, I don't want that. It's totally unqualified traffic. That's just going to skew my, my numbers down. It doesn't, it does nothing. It's just, you get a bunch of people fighting with me because they don't, they don't get it. You know, it's like, I, I would rather for me, and this is just me, but for me, I would much rather have people find out about me from word of mouth, people sharing my emails than trying to game some search algorithm to pop up for someone who wasn't even looking for what I do. Cause I don't, I just, I can't think of what the keywords would be for someone to look for me. It's almost That's, like, Oh, I need to stop you there. That's the challenge. I think for a lot of listeners here, mm-hmm. right. Is what are the words that people are going to search on? Yeah. Like for me, if, are they going to search on brand? Well, they're not going to find me, right. right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to be on page, you know, 400,000. Um, 
yeah, it's you, you really have to think about what those terms are. But I do like the idea, I don't know if you have to call this SEO, but I like the idea of, we've talked about this, where you're, you're developing a vocabulary unique to what you're doing. And those are the words that when you use them consistently do have an SEO effect, right? And when words, those words start to get out and people start to use them, um, your site, to the extent that you're publishing articles that use those words, not as like bots, but in a real human kind of way, you will build authority over time. Right. Whether you want to call that SEO or something else, you know, it's building authority. Right. So I haven't, I've never ever done a anything that I would can call, can, uh, call SEO optimization. But dear listener, Google for ditching hourly guy and see what the first page looks like. It's, it's like. I mean, the last time I did it was a long time ago, I, but it was like the first two pages is all me. It's articles and videos and da da da. So, you know, come up, it's almost like invent your own keywords instead of yes. trying to buy keywords that people are already searching for. And yeah, I know, I, you know, the four hour work, work we can block all the advice and yada, yada, yada. That's like mm -hmm. 15 years ago. I don't think that, it, it, let me, I almost said it, I don't think it works. It doesn't, it's not the way I want to spend my time is thinking about how to game Google's search algorithm. And I don't feel like spending money on it either. I do know people who use it to good effect. So it's not, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but to me, it's just like a weird thing to think about. It, it's I'd rather think about writing more and rather think about publishing more. And I'd rather think about getting people to recommend me more and share my stuff more and not think about how do I game an algorithm? So, yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. And I, I certainly don't have your technical experience on SEO. I just I, I feel like when we put our focus on what's the language that we're creating with our ideal audience, that's the focus, because that ties back into your brand. It ties into your website. It ties into the the authority content that you're delivering to your audience. And, you know, and it doesn't come out fully baked when you first start because you're working through your point of view. Um, Jonathan, I'm sure you didn't come out fully baked with with the all the glossary of terms that you use for for your emails. It took time right. to decide right. what you're going to call some of those things. So right. you know, experiment. But as you do that, the more you know that there are certain key words and not keywords, but key words that you're using in your content, that will guide you. Mm -hmm. I think when we do that and it's strategic, you know, provided we're not selling, you know, some kind of commodity content, you know, I, th I think that makes sense. It's a good yeah. place to put some effort. Yep. Yeah. And I, I guess, I mean, you're right. It has an SEO like effect, but they're searching for you. Yes. So like they already know about you. They heard about you or your, your unique ideas. And then, you know, you can, when someone Googles for it, of course, it's going to come up because you're the only website that has it on there. You know, mm -hmm. so it's it, or wherever you've shared it. Okay, so uh, you know, I, I think emails are slightly more important than a website, or maybe even more than slightly more important than a website. But it's probably a really good idea to have a website. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a one-two punch. It Do is like one, a one-two punch. Next one comes. Right. Yeah, it's hard to if you're going to be sharing links in anything, you have to link to a website, and you probably want to link to your website, not Drip's website or somebody else's website. Yeah. So if you're sharing links, you need targets of those links to exist. And it probably makes the most sense to have them be on your domain. It definitely makes the most sense to have them be on your domain, which, you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well just have your own website. Um, okay. So let's go up a level from there. So how, you know, uh, what what's the next thing you would do after having an email list set up? And then a website for capturing emails and perhaps selling things or perhaps building your authority as well. For me, I could go, I probably next, you know, for someone who's setting this up initially, next thing I would do is probably set up the, a billing solution, some way to sell stuff, some way to, to capture payment. Is that, is that where you'd go? I mean, at some point you have to start selling. True. True. Um, I guess it, yeah, I guess it depends on where you're starting from. In other words, right. if you're already serving clients, you may have a, have an offline billing solution. That's true, yep. So, yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, if you're invoicing, you might be using something like FreshBooks. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and you probably have, uh, I believe their only hookup now is Stripe. So you probably have, you know, you're going to have Stripe and you're going to have FreshBooks or something like that. Yep. Um, so then it's a question of, you know, what do you want to do to accept uh, purchases? Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I'm, a, you know, I, for a long time, didn't have all of my stuff in the same place in terms of checkout. So if if you were going to hire me on retainer on a monthly basis... That was usually handled offline and they'd set up a recurring check that would just either ACH or just automatically be mailed to my address. Uh, so yeah, you might, you might not need to, it depends on what you're selling. If you're selling a book or something or, e- you know, like an ebook or a course or something like that, you're probably going to want to, you know, let's just say you are, because if, you know, offline, yeah. if the offline solution is all set, then, then you're all set. Um, if you're trying to find an online solution, I've used a couple of different things. I've settled on Moon Clerk for a variety of reasons. It's simple. It's one of the better looking ones. It plugs into Stripe very easily. It's got enough integrations with other things that I can connect it to, um, you know, my email solution to tag people so I know that they bought something and I don't keep spamming them about <laughs> like, hey, uh, why don't you buy my book? It's like, I already bought your mm-hmm. book. So, you know, I like, I like Moon Clerk. Uh, I've used Sendal in the past when Moon Clerk didn't do digital delivery, but now they do. Um, if you have a WordPress site, I think Easy Digital Downloads is the most popular choice. And again, it, you know, I'm sure it connects to PayPal and Stripe and all of the mm-hmm. other things. I've never used it, but if you're selling something that's like uh, something that would make sense to have a buy now button, like a course or a book or something that's self-service like that, uh, it's it's really easy to set up. It's there's nothing to it. You know, Listen, let, let me chime in here because I use Moon Clerk because you use Moon, Moon Clerk. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. It was so easy to program except for one thing in the beginning. But I have to say their customer service was so good mm-hmm. because I made a mistake that I didn't realize I'd made. And I, it, I would have paid for it dearly when it when it unveiled. And, you know, they just dived in and taught me. Mm-hmm. what I did wrong. It was like one little thing. And now I know how to do that. Great support, easy for non-programmers. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's kind of what I like. I like, I like exactly that. Even though I'm a programmer, I like stuff to be easy. I don't want a lot of features hanging around that I'm not going to use. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really good. It's, it's hard to come up. If you want a standalone thing and you don't have WordPress or you don't want to use a WordPress plugin for it, uh, Moon Clerk's great. Uh, they probably have a WordPress plugin. I don't know. But uh, a lot of companies like that would have something that automatically allows you to embed their forms on your website. Um, if you, I'm sure they do. And even if they don't have a plugin for it, it's easy. It's one of those copy paste iframe scenarios where you. Just... I think it's the latter. Is it? Is that, yeah, because I'm using it on my WordPress site. But the other advantage for someone like me is that I don't have to hire somebody to write WordPress code to make it do this, which is what I had before. Mm. And it was a pain in the neck Mm -hmm. and it wasn't cheap and it didn't always work. This way, you know, the only thing the programmer had to do was slap a piece of code someplace for me. Everything else I I just coded myself and it was fast. It didn't take very long. It wasn't hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it does everything. It does recurring payments. It does uh, send you all the alerts that you would expect. Um, it, It does, it does everything you want. There's all refunds, partial refunds, uh, coupons, everything. It does everything. And the interface is really clean. It's really easy to understand. Um, they, If I was going to say any bad things about it, um, it would be that they're, over the years, they've been really slow to add features. Like if you send in a feature request, they're like, no. <laughs> which is annoying but it's the reason it's so easy to use because yeah. you know because you have to imagine they're getting requests from a whole bunch of people for stuff i don't want and they say no to those too uh, although recently in the past year or so they added a little kind of like add-on area where they've released a couple of their own plugins so i wonder if they're going to start releasing more plugins but you know so they added digital downloads in its own little area and uh, there's one other one that I don't use. I can't remember what it is. But, um, you know, so they're adding a few features now, but they're doing it in a way that keeps the main core functionality still real clean and easy, but full-featured at the same time. Um, yeah, couldn't couldn't say enough about yeah, it. Love Moon Clerk. did a nice little Moon Clerk commercial. <laughs> yes, this week, sponsored by Moon Clerk. But the other thing, too, just as a reminder, is you can hand these things off if you get the right virtual assistant. 
you can hand these things off. I, I did it myself. Um, when I do something like this, I like to do the first one myself so I know what it is mm-hmm. and I understand the process. Um, and sometimes I will even um, write down the whole process before I hand it off to a VA. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll give it to them and have them write it down and then review it afterwards. But it's one of those things where you don't feel like you have to do it yourself. You can hand this off. Yep. It's not overly complex. Right. Yeah. And so uh, let's let's also, uh, before we move on to the next thing, I think I want to loop back and say um, that all of these different pieces of technology, they all tie together. So even though you would be creating them in this order, like if you were following my advice, you'd say first the email capture scenario. So first, you know, with me, it's drip. And then I'd have some kind of website. And then I would, for, for digital products, I would say, you know, set up moon clerk, but moon clerk, I think I mentioned already, it feeds back into drip. So I know who bought what, so I don't send them emails that they don't need, just annoy them with something, you know, some offer that they've already own. Uh, and, and you can, I don't do this because I don't have any tracking on my website, but you can set up your website to know that an email subscriber is on your website and customize the website to be uh, appropriate. It's kind of the same way so that they don't see stuff that they don't need to see. So it kind of like, for example, not like uh, pop-ups. Yeah. Like pop-ups, like join my email list. Well, I'm already on your email list. Yeah. So you can have a, all of these things kind of can feed together and it can get pretty complicated. Uh, and the more of that stuff you set up, like Rochelle said earlier, the harder it is to switch off your email provider because it, from in, in my case, mm-hmm. it's the center of the web. So, or the center of the funnel. Well, and you don't have to, especially when you're just starting out, you don't have to automate everything. And it's, I always chuckle when Jonathan and I compare notes privately because he automates so many more things than I do because he'll write the code to do it. Well, I don't write any code. (laughs) I use Zapier. Okay. Um, But my point is that you're using apps to do that. And I, I tend not to not to bother with that until it's a big enough thing to do something with. So you can, you know, you can start small and then gradually work up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we did email website billing. Okay. So now let's go, let's bounce back to the other side of the funnel because billing I think is farther down the funnel than email. But if we bounce back up and we're kind of like bouncing back and forth farther and farther from the center, as you build things out, I would say some kind of, high like way up the funnel um authority building something or other probably podcasting maybe a youtube channel maybe instagram but well that'd be website right so i'm thinking like i'm thinking like something oh you're thinking okay all right gotcha yeah something that something that's a new technology that we haven't already talked about so you know blogging i I guess that would just happen on your website but if you're going to say you know, add a, if you're going to add a component to your tech stack for building an authority business, I personally, I would go podcast next, like audio podcast, because it's so easy compared to the other options. Um, you know, like video stuff or Instagram stuff. I find those, you know, it's probably just me, but I find Instagram like Instagram stresses me out big time. <laughs> um, YouTube, I felt really comfortable with YouTube, but it's probably five or 10 times more work to post a YouTube video than it is to do like a podcast episode. So, you know, it's got pros and cons is interesting to do this, my sort of YouTube channel experiment, mm-hmm. but with something like that, it would be something that's really easy to find really, you know, for, for people to stumble across it really easy for people to share a link to it. Uh, it's in the place where a lot of people are, you know, podcast, people are already listening to podcasts. People are already on YouTube. So it's not a huge, leap for them to get a recommendation from somebody maybe in social media or maybe via email you know they say oh you got to listen to this episode and they just send a link and they click on it and boom they're they're listening to you i guess that's that's the place where you know it could be a webinar a video recording of a webinar replay but i feel like to me that's that's even farther up the funnel the people watching it are even more anonymous they're even they're farther away f- from me mm-hmm. if that makes sense uh, but it's a really Except, broad. Yeah, they're farther away, but we feel closer to them. Initially, from their right? Initially, right? Yeah, right. It's like it's because you're listening to a conversation, you're hearing our voices, so you feel there's a, a greater sense of intimacy 
from the audience to us versus us to the audience. Yeah. So like I know, yeah, the asymmetric intimacy thing. So I, I get the sense and I don't know for sure, but based on emails that I get from people on my list, lots of them first decided to sign up because of a video or a podcast episode. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's, it's their first impression. Like, well, that's an interesting point. Most people's first impression of me seems to be a podcast episode or a video, not my website. They come to the website later. See, that's interesting because most in, in most of my funnel, quote unquote, came from Twitter. Mm-hmm. So they'd go from Twitter to my site and then yep. they spend a lot of time on the site and then uh, would join, well, would join the email list, still spend more time on the site and mm-hmm. kind of work through that way. Now I'm getting more from the podcast. Now, of course, right. I wasn't podcasting. And until two years ago, you've been doing it longer, but I, right. I've definitely seen a shift. And when somebody reaches out to me, they mention the podcast. Yeah, right. So to me, I think in my experience, a podcast or video type of format, but audio video, some combination of mm-hmm. audio and video is a much faster way to build trust with someone compared to you know, faster. I mean it in both ways, like it's faster for them. Like they're going to make a quick judgment about this information they're getting, like this person who's delivering the information and how they feel about the voice and the look and the, all the stuff. Then, then, you know, like reading the content and it, it could, I can think of exceptions. I'm already thinking of exceptions to this, but in general, the bang for the buck on releasing an audio podcast is super huge, you know, for people who, you know, not everybody listens to podcasts, maybe only 25% of Americans listen to a podcast, but the um, that intimacy thing is a, a studied uh, phenomenon. It's like a scientific mm-hmm. phenomenon that yeah. you that uh, what's it called? It's a horrible name. Para don't know. Para relationship or something like that. It sounds like <laughs> parasitic relationship. But having this sort of a media person, you can build, uh, you can develop a psychological attachment to media personalities, which. This was originally studied back in early, uh, late radio and early TV days in the mid '60s, I think it was 1965, and but it extends to you know Instagram influencers and YouTube channels and podcasts. And anyway, for me, it's a it's a farther up the funnel kind of activity in general, and it's a great first impression, assuming you're good, you know, reasonably good, and what you're talking about is interesting. It's it's a great way to quickly build trust with people who then will perhaps end up coming to your website and clicking on a few blog posts maybe or signing up for your email list and then they're on the email list and you can see so the, the problem with podcasting that I don't like is there's no two-way conversation but once they once they right. come down and and click on one of those calls to action to either join the email list or have a phone call or you know join a webinar now all of a sudden it's like oh okay now we can have a conversation and I can tailor uh, whatever I'm saying to your exact problem. So like somebody will ask you an example. Well, this whole episode is tailored to someone who sent in an email asking for help with an exact problem. And so now we're doing it. And that's like the beauty of the email without the email piece or phone call or like an interactive webinar or something, there wouldn't be a way to do that. So it would just be like, you know, you and me talking about whatever we feel like talking about and hoping that it helps someone. Yeah. Throwing mud and seeing how much will stick. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it also allows us to take a question from one person and answer questions that maybe a thousand people had or a mm-hmm. hundred people. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of technology, to, to get specific about it, uh, Transistor.fm is uh, what we use to... Or so, no, I used, we use Simplecast. Uh, I've switched my other shows over to Transistor. They're both yeah, I was okay. like, what, what the heck is Transistor? Yeah, yeah no, that's right. <laughs> Simplecast, yeah. Yeah. So Transistor, uh, Simplecast, Castos, they're all fine. Transistor is my personal favorite, but you know, whatever, everybody's going to have a different personal favorite. Uh, so you can check those out and they do, they all do, uh, they all basically have some kind of support for, uh, hosting your website under your domain on their servers. So you don't really have to have a separate website to host the podcast, uh, or they also support like website integration where you can embed episodes on your website and you don't have to have it hosted by someone else. So if you have a website, you know, and that's what you do, Rochelle, you've got right. 
a WordPress site and you embed the episodes in as like posts, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a blog style post. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it's not, I mean, podcasting can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. It's... Yeah, I think that's the thing, Jonathan. I think I talk to a lot of people that are saying, I kind of want to do a podcast. Oh, it feels like so much work. And, um, and you know, when you start to strip off some of the complexities that you don't have to have, right. it is a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. Like music, as an example. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't have to have music. Yeah. Boom, problem solved. Next. <laughs> right. You don't have to have ads. Problem solved. Next. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and obviously you're listening to a show that has no music or ads. Has, <laughs> has it bothered you? <laughs> it adds a lot of complexity. To, even that, even that, like, you know, bumper at the beginning with the music and that, like, pre-roll and that ad at the end, it adds a, a, a it adds friction to the publishing, you know, and, and does it add anything for the, for the listener? Eh, is it maybe a little, but is it worth it? I don't know. The point being, like, if you, if you can run a Zoom call, you can host a podcast. Like if you, if you're having zoom calls with clients, you could host a podcast. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no like full stop. So if you're not podcasting and you've thought about it and been like, eh, I'm overwhelmed by other decisions. What mic should I use? You know, uh, don't just forget it. Just start yeah. like whatever mic you're using for your paying clients is obviously good enough. You know, yeah. does a better mic sound better? Sure. But do you, does it, should it stop you from starting a podcast? Absolutely not. That's the thing. It's just to begin. Yeah. Once you start, you get better every single time. Mm-hmm. Every single time you learn something else. I, I'm the poster child for this. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned so much in these 135, rough, roughly 135 yeah. episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, the way, that's the other thing I say in the, the five-day five podcast challenge. I talk about, you know, the way to have a great podcast is not you don't start with a great podcast. The way to have a great podcast is to start with an okay podcast and make it better. I mean, anybody you can think of, if you if you you know any podcast host, if you ask them to look, uh, where do I find your original episodes? They're like, Ugh, I don't listen to those. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. I don't care how big they are, they all cringe when you bring up their first couple of episodes because they're awful, or they it feels awful. But they're they got them started. Like that's the right. point. Right. Well, even Oprah, you know, if you look at some of the early episodes, they're not as good. She's not as polished. The questions to the guests aren't as good. It's not as highly produced, but they were still good. Mm -hmm. We still watch them. So, yeah, it's yeah. Don't 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 let perfection be the enemy. Mm. Yeah. Big time. Exactly. So for we don't do it on this show, but on on Ditching Hourly, my other show, at the end of every one, I have like a pre-recorded thing that I tack on to the end you know, it takes me, you know, less than a minute that it will, will, cause the, here, here's how it connects back to the website. Like here, if you're going to use your podcast in your funnel, you want to have a call to action at the end of the podcast or somewhere in the podcast say, Oh, you know, if you enjoyed this, you might also enjoy my value pricing mm-hmm. boot camps and go to this URL. And at the end of each show, it says that. So that, that is the tricky thing with podcasting is that it, there's an air gap. There's nothing to click. So yeah. you, you, if you want to use it to drive people to your website, for example, or your email list, um, there's not a, it's, it's a challenge. And to me, to me, podcasting is maybe a little bit analogous to brand marketing or brand advertising versus direct mail or direct marketing where it's, you just kind of trust that it's working. (laughs) It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to, to draw direct. Yeah, to draw direct lines. But but you will, you know, over time, you will find it because people will say, oh, I'd like to talk to you. I heard you talk about this on your podcast. Talk to me about this. I'd like to work with you. Right. So you'll see it. It just, you know, it's not going to happen in the first five or 10 episodes. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, technology wise, you just pick a hosting platform. Uh, they're all relatively cheap. Uh, you know, like nine bucks a month for unlimited podcasts or something like that. It's they're they're not expensive, and yeah, and I guess other uh, farther down the f- I, I, for me, I think that's pretty much everything. There's like other top of funnel activities like a YouTube channel that we already mentioned, YouTube channel mm-hmm. or like Instagram. You know, you're doing a lot of Instagram stories or Instagram videos. Uh, Chris Doe from the Future is doing some amazing stuff on his Instagram. If you want to check that out, 
uh, you know, if you if you're like an if if you feel like a fish in water with Instagram, you might want to check out what Chris is doing. It's it's way too stressful for me to do stuff <laughs> like he's doing. I would never, you know, like every day is releasing these 10, 10 slide carousels that are beautiful and smart, and it's like oh my god, you know. Well, but he's, he's, got, he's got a, a he's team. got a team. Right. He's got a team. So yeah, Instagram instagram is is can be challenging to do well when you're a solo Mm -hmm. um but let's also mention instagram if you've got a podcast instagram is a great place to to put your podcast and again assuming your audience is on instagram and start to promote it there Hmm. how you mean like have an instagram account for a podcast well you can do it you can do it a couple different ways you can have a an an account that's just for the podcast like a tboa account Mm. and with one link Right, right that goes top. back and yeah, or you can have your own name and you can have the podcast mixed with your other posts, but you do have to have to buy another uh, piece of uh, of not software, but another service that allows you to create unique URLs. Um, let me see if I can find the name of that really quick. Hang on a second, but because the, uh, the problem with Instagram is you only get one URL. Oh, you're thinking of like Linktree. Uh, yeah, not th- there's another one. It sounds like lively, but it's not lively. No, I don't have it up here. Well, if you have a- well, I'll find it and put it at the bottom of the episode. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, Instagram could not be more outside of my comfort zone, but it it does seem to be extremely popular. I've heard it, I've heard it's going to be big. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 not surprising actually because you've got this super clean website and Instagram is these big vivid yeah, it's the opposite. images and photos. It's the opposite. But I, I think that's why people like it now because you don't have as much of the snark that you get in Facebook or True. Twitter. There's still some, but, um, and, and the hashtag usage is over the top mm-hmm. with Instagram, but there's just something about, I think because you can look at your feed and the only words you see are if somebody superimposes them on an image, right. it's, it's relaxing in a, in a world full of words right now, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. So, but it, it does, the challenge when you're using Instagram is you really have to know how to use visuals. And if it's not your thing, like if visuals sort of make you sick, <laughs> you don't, just don't do it because you'll do a crappy job. It, you know, it's not going to help promote your brand. But if, if you think that there's the opportunity to reach your people on Instagram and you've got this either flair for the visual or you've got somebody who will work with you like a VA to create some of these images, it can be really powerful. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's not for me, but you know, Erica's trying to get me to do it, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm like, you do it. Well, you have an in-house expert, so. Yeah, exactly. I'll just give her my phone. You do it. So, okay, cool. Uh, is there anything? So the other thing we mentioned a couple of times, is like YouTube channel, that's some kind of video channel is pretty interesting. I don't know if I would consider anything other than YouTube for this kind of thing. Uh, it's integrated like everywhere. It's on TVs. It's, it's everywhere you want to go. It has a subscription concept. Uh, if you don't want comments, you can shut them off. But my experience has been that the comments aren't net, are, have been fine. If you set the tone, you're not going to get trolls. Uh, I haven't had any, I haven't looked in a little while, but I haven't had any trolls. So, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's in social media in general, I guess, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever you are, is some other sort of top of funnel stuff that probably doesn't need to be discussed. I feel like everybody probably knows how to. Yeah, I'll just mention, um, I use Vimeo not to build a community, just the opposite of that, but I use Vimeo to host a number of things because I'm, I'm more comfortable that it's confidential. So yeah. when I'm doing course materials and that kind of stuff, I'll use Vimeo. So I, I have, you know, I use their premium or pro account, whatever you want to call it. And I yeah, just pro. like it. It's just, it's easy. It's clean. Um, I feel a little safer yeah. putting uh, content up there than I would on, on YouTube. So, yep, but I, I but it's, it's not, I mean, you theoretically you can use it to community build, but it's, I don't. Yeah, me neither. It's I use hard it, to compete with YouTube for right. that. I use it to host private paid videos because at the end, there's not a lot of, you can configure what the overlays are and there's not like a bunch of like, you know, Joe Rogan ads at the end of your video and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it does. It looks more professional, builds authority. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So we're probably, uh, we've probably miss been... anything? Well, there's... Your... there's we're starting to segue into delivery 
of digital products, which I feel like is was outside of the the realm of the question. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe if if people care, we could do a follow up episode on like delivering digital products. You know, what technologies involved there? But that that is sort of pretty far. It's not <laughs> not yeah, V one, which is what the question was about. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I like this idea of of the ecosystem because we're we're always doing two things. It, we're selling to this audience and we're running a business, and so it, there's some background systems that maybe most people don't see. I'm like, you know, I use Twist to communicate with my VA just so everything's in one place and everything is organized. I love using it. Mm-hmm. Um, we both use Slack for different things. So there's that. To me, that's part of the ecosystem, but you build it gradually and it's everything either has to be part of your selling to your ultimate client or part of the back room running of your business to make it smooth and as easy as you can. Yeah. Yep. So I think, you know, to recap, it's like it's email, website, and then some kind of top of funnel activity and then a way to take payment. So it, it probably, I mean, we've been talking about it for an hour. It might seem overwhelming, but you can do like a minimum viable version of each one of these things. Just, you know, just create a simple sign up form for uh, an email course. You know, yeah, you got to write like five posts, but you're probably doing that anyway. And then at the end of that, send broadcasts to the people that are on your thing, like send a newsletter every week. That's whatever is relevant to the audience. And then just have a website to support it. And then maybe a podcast or something to, to give people a really strong first impression. It's like, it doesn't, I guess when you sort of look, when I look back over what all we talked about, it feels like there's a lot to it, but I mean, the, my advice is just keep it simple. Don't go crazy with any individual, one of these things and just build it out over time and don't feel like you have to have like massive automations or, you know, integration between everything to everything else. None of us do all this at one time. I mean, when I switched um, my email carrier, you know, it was like two months (laughs) Um, and I didn't do I didn't take on anything new backroom wise. I mean, I was doing my client work, but it it took a couple months to figure out what I wanted to do, then plan how to do it and then execute. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's this is all you're doing these things one at a time. Nobody comes in and creates all this stuff at once. Boy, that would be feel overwhelming, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and the the thing that we're sort of, the technical part is the easy piece. The hard part is finding out what people care about and writing about that. That's much harder. And, yeah. you know, and, but if you already know that, then the re- these things that we're talking about is just simple mechanics. And yeah, you got to probably, you know, watch a couple of training videos or something, but um, it doesn't, it really doesn't need to be, you probably don't need to hire someone to do it. Like you're smart, you can figure it out. It won't take that long if you just keep it simple. Yeah. I agree. The, the tools are just so much better now than when I first started doing this. Oh my. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I was so happy when I found Moon Clerk. Yeah. I mean, I literally, I was like tap dancing around my office. I couldn't believe how easy <laughs> that Snoopy was going to be. Snoopy dance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, wow, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So um, this has been brought to you by Moon Clerk. All right. So that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.